Hello, I'm Ben Eagle, a podcaster, journalist, and rural communications consultant, and welcome to Rural Business Focus. This is the podcast for rural businesses and those looking to start a business in the countryside. Episodes are released each Tuesday to inspire and support you to be your very best, both personally and for your business. Please subscribe to the show wherever you're listening, and if you think this episode will help someone you know, forward it on to them. It's the only way the show grows by you sharing it. So thank you for that. But now, Let's start today's show. And welcome to episode 32 of Rural Business Focus. Thank you for joining me today on the pod. And today's theme is the media, how it works. And we'll be asking what journalists are looking for in a good rural food or farming story. Um, also, perhaps building on last week's episode with Hannah on PR, we'll be asking how you might be able to prepare yourself for engaging more with the media. So to discuss this, I'm really excited to be joined by two seasoned journalists who have both specialised in the rural space. Jez Fredenberg is a journalist who has covered numerous food and farming stories across the globe for various publications. She's written for BBC Future, National Geographic, Farmers Guardian and Farmers Weekly, among others. She was on the Farmers Weekly team for four years, including two years as deputy business editor. Um, and she also recently produced and hosted the main interview on Farmers Guardian's weekly podcast over the farm gate. Do go over and to listen to that one if you haven't already. Uh, Anna Jones is also with us. She has worked as a journalist and program maker across a range of different media, uh, including 15 years at the BBC, producing, directing and presenting rural environmental programs, including Country File, Farming Today, and Costing the Earth. Uh, she's also produced documentaries for the BBC World Service and written articles and opinion pieces for a range of publications, including The Guardian, Farmer's Guardian, Farmer's Weekly Again, Pig World, and Farm Business. She now works on a freelance basis. Uh, following a Nuffield scholarship, she founded Just Farmers in 2018, which is a communications project for British agriculture, a very exciting communications project for British agriculture. Um, and that works uh, to build confidence among farmers and growers about talking to the media, uh, while also helping journalists and programme makers to find independent, authentic voices at the grassroots of farming. Jez, Anna, welcome to Rural Business Focus. Thank you for coming on. How are you both? Good. Thanks, Ben. Thanks yeah, for having good, us. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Excited to <laughs> catch up. I've not seen Anna for ages. So uh, well, that's what I partly thought. Let's, let's bring you both together. <laughs> yeah, bring this in. is why we're starting late because we've just had a good old natter and a catch up. <laughs> yeah, like 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I've given you both a brief intro, but I wonder if you can just start by telling the listeners a bit more about yourselves and I suppose why you both chose journalism as your career path, but specifically with that specialism in rural. Um, who wants to start? Anna? Uh, so I was a bit weird in the sense that I knew what I wanted to do from about the age of 12, which I think is unusual. 
Um, and once I decided that I wanted to be a journalist, I tend to be pretty single minded and that was it. And uh, I never even for a second considered another career. Um, and yeah, so all the way through school, when I was doing my GCSEs, I did work experience on the local paper. And when I was doing my A-levels, I did work experience at the local BBC radio station and then went off to university and studied journalism and it was quite a good job for get time for getting work and came out of uni and went straight into local newspapers as a reporter for four years. Um, and that was very much general news and yeah. and hard news, really, sort of real kind of covering Crown Court and chasing ambulances and ringing the police and trying to get front page exclusives. And uh, after about four years of it, I realised that I much preferred features over news. News journalism is a really, you, you've got to absolutely love it and be a yeah. real news junkie and a real news hound, which I kind of was, but it also burnt me out. And also, I think I'm I think I'm too much of a natural optimist for news. <laughs> and then the rural affairs thing didn't really even cross my mind until I was about 24. Because up, up until that point, I kind of wanted to get as far away from the farm as I could, because uh, I'd always dreamt about living in the city and clip clopping around in my high heels and my power suit. And uh, but <laughs> when I very quickly realised that's not what it's like, I was like, actually, I was I love farming. I love where I'm from. Um, so then I started writing letters to Country File at the BBC. I literally watched the credits at the end of the programme, write down the name of the producer and send them letters and emails asking if I could work on the programme. And eventually I managed to wheedle my way into the BBC and then stayed there for a long time. So so that's my sort of path into it. Yeah. I should also say that Anna has written a quite spectacular book called Divide. <laughs> Um, we've got to get a plug in for that. Well, so. thank you very much. So this is the first time I've heard it called spectacular. I, I love that. I love that. I don't think thank I've you. used the word spectacular in a long time. So oh but I'm gosh. definitely going to associate it with that. Yeah, I want them to put that on the cover. <laughs> the, yeah. the new Penny review. Spectacular. Yeah. Spectacular. Uh, Jez, I think we should move on to you quickly. Why journalism? Well, um, I think I had always, from a really young age, wanted to do something that I felt had a positive impact on the world and undoubtedly there is a lot of journalism and media out there that is not having a positive impact on the world and that is being manipulated by different interests and all of all of that we we know all of that but you know journalism is um is powerful stuff it's it hugely influences how we see the world um, and how we understand it it has the power to start public conversations to uncover things, to shine a light on something, to gradually move public debates along in some kind of way, to hold the powerful to account, and yeah, to to kind of cultivate and create change. And it's an essential ingredient of democracy, like good free press that does not have lots of corporate interests behind it, which when we don't really have that quite in the UK anymore, but um, it's essential to democracy. So I always felt like it was kind of quite a noble cause if it's done well. And I think at the time when I was graduating, I felt that food security, climate change, sustainability, power and inequality, they were all things I was studying and really, really interested in. And I wanted to work in that field in some way, but I didn't really know how. Um, and it was a few years later that I guess I, I started to think about journalism and 
And I'd always admired a lot of, especially foreign correspondents like Elise Doucette, BBC and people like that, and who just have such an impact on how we see the world. And I think I started to see, though, how a lot of the journalists covering food and farming and the mainstream press didn't really understand the realities of of farming and ecology and the and the business side of it as well. At the same time, I felt like a lot of the journalism in the agricultural press was kind of the the opposite and didn't focus enough on things like climate change and the, the social side of our food system and things like that. And so I kind of felt like I wanted to bridge that gap in some way. And so I thought if I could go and work for Farmers Weekly, which is what I did, um, I could understand more about the realities of farming and the practical and the business side of it and the psyche of you know of, of farming and what farmers have to deal with. So that would make me a better journalist in the more mainstream press, more informed journalist. At the same time, I felt like I had I had this more social science background and this interest in climate change. And I wanted to see if I could bring that into the magazine, which I which I felt like I did in the end. Because at the time, this was like 2013, it just wasn't in just wasn't in the pages. And so that was my idea. And I and I think, you know, journalism, when done in a certain way, it has it can it can take you all over the world. I always say to people, it's the world's best backstage pass. You get to go and meet incredible people, go to incredible places access things see things you would never ever normally get to see and ask all sorts of questions um to all sorts of people you would never normally have contact with it's it's just fascinating so i've i've been able to travel the world like meeting meeting farmers and other people in the food system and it always feels like such a huge privilege when somebody somebody tells you their story and you sort of feel like they're giving you a little part of themselves every time that this that this happens and then you have to take this precious thing and and try and communicate it to the world and maybe amplify it and add context and all these sorts of things and so it 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 sort of feels like yeah it does feel like a huge privilege when you're working on um especially stories that have a kind of more emotional human side to them brilliant um now you've both covered a lot of stories over time so this is probably going to be oh i don't know it, it might be a tough one it might not be um but i wonder what story stands out for you out of everything you've covered or, or a story that you're most proud of do you want to go Anna? <laughs> i would say it's difficult to pin it down to a story because because i'm a program maker i tend to think in terms of the programs i've produced that have lots of stories within them. Um, so the one that I'm probably most proud of is a series I produced and presented for the BBC World Service called Ground Shift, The Farming Revolution. And that um, that was sort of 2018, 2019. And I travelled across the Midwest of America to New York City, West Africa, New Zealand and Australia meeting young farmers who were changing the way that they do things and the people I met and the things I got to record and the questions I got to ask I loved it I am so proud of that series and I feel well when I did that series I was like well this is it this is the peak of my career it's never going to get any better than this <laughs> this is as good as it gets I was so happy so yeah that would definitely be my thing I'm most proud of yeah you Jess that sounds amazing Anna 
I think my, if I had to pin it down to one story, it would probably be one that I wrote a few years ago now, which was, a, it was in Colombia. I'd spent some time in Colombia and it was about the intersection basically between coffee farming, agritourism that was developing and uh, the conflict there and the, the, the peace at the time as well that was um, that was developing. And it was that kind of story that's really challenging because it dealt with some like really difficult difficult things that had happened um you know in the not too distant past a lot of violence and all sorts of things like that that we we tend to not really associate with farming you know but of course somewhere like that the coffee farmers were subject to quite a lot of coercion violence and threats and all sorts of things so it was challenging because I still felt like you know I had to tread a bit carefully and not not be silly about things and at this but at the same time I really wanted to kind of help share this story of of these coffee farmers that I met um he'd been through lots of different things and it was meant as a positive story because at the time you know Colombia was sort of enjoying a bit more peace and there were a lot of travelers coming from all over the world to Colombia realizing what an amazing place it is and so it was really a story of hope and rebirth for a whole community and a whole section of agriculture there as an outsider and this is something maybe we'll talk about a bit more later but as a journalist, you have to be careful that you're not just dropping into into a situation and thinking that by asking a few different people, you know everything about it. And I was just very, very conscious that I had to get things right <laughs> because there were so many different sides to what had happened and what was still happening. Yeah, I mean, Anna, maybe do you want to follow up on that? Actually, in terms of that sort of immersive experience, uh, but also having to have that that general understanding, whether you're interviewing directly or whether you're looking at the overall situation, how do you put yourselves in those shoes, and how do you ensure that you have that context to be able to actually present yourself in that at that particular time, but also when you're covering the story as well, and when you're when you're relaying that story at a later stage, how do you ensure that you feel that that sense of connection um, with your interviewee um, but also you have that full understanding of the context so that was a very long very long way of saying how, how do you understand context really well that's all about research before the interview so you don't tend to just turn up and interview somebody you have familiarized yourself with the political and cultural context of the story beforehand so you go there sort of armed with some knowledge but I think the most important thing is as a journalist, is to talk as little as possible and to get them to talk as much as possible. Mm. So you don't really need to be the expert about everything. You just need to make sure you're asking the right questions to bring out their expertise. And in terms of the connection with your interviewee, you want to connect with them enough that you get them talking and they feel that they trust you and that they want to tell you things. But you don't want to get cosy and become their friend because you might have to challenge them and put them in a slightly uncomfortable position as well. So being a journalist is always treading the line between helping your interviewee feel comfortable without getting too cosy with them at the same time. Mm. Gosh, there are so many tangents that I want to go off on at this point, (laughs) but I'm going to avoid that temptation. Um, Anna, could you uh, tell us about your Nuffield scholarship um, and how that led on to Just Farmers? Yeah, so my Nuffield scholarship was looking at the coverage of agriculture in the mainstream media. Um, and I travelled to the US and 
Denmark and uh, Ireland, France and Kenya. And I went to Kenya because, yeah. as I've already touched on, I wanted to see how the relationship is different in, in the developing world compared to our world. And then from that study, it revealed a lot of problems in the developed world, the places where the pockets are deep and the bellies are full. And between a very basically urbanized world and a rural world where like five people still live there and they're the five people producing the food for everyone else that lives in the city and um, realize that that is at the heart of a lot of the disconnection and the lack of understanding of farming but also the lack of understanding of urban life among those that produce food are not particularly representative of the people that eat food um, around the country. So uh, there were some big issues with communication between those very different worlds and very different cultures. So Just Farmers was, as I mentioned before, I'm quite optimistic. I didn't want to leave it at just a depressing Nuffield that only looked at the problems. So Just Farmers was my sort of small way of offering up a solution, which is trying to bring the media, which is pretty much based in towns and cities, closer together with individual farmers who can just say it how it is and just give personal testimony about their job as farmers uh, without any other kind of agenda, really, than just sharing their stories. So that's what we do. We train the farmers to feel more confident doing that. And we give the media access to those farmers through our website. Uh, so we've probably only really been full throttle for three years, but it did start in, in 2018. And uh, we've trained 84 farmers of all different sectors, yeah, all yeah. different systems from around the UK. We've got nearly 300 members of the media registered on the Just Farmers website using our service, talking to our farmers. And only just this last week, we've had farmers that have um, been interviewed in Farmers Guardian, uh, appeared on Radio 4's On Your Farm, in the Daily Mail, and uh, I've just spoken to our editor. She's setting up an interview with one of our farmers in German television today. So that's just in a week. So what we do really is working. It's really exciting. It's amazing, Anna. Yeah. I use it quite a lot, actually. I oh, brilliant. Oh, there we are. Yeah. yeah, excellent. To find, it's to working. Find people. It's brilliant. Yeah, oh, that, it's really is, oh that, that is great. And do you find it easy to use? Yeah, really easy. Really, really easy. And I tend to, I, I sometimes maybe go on the site and find the farmer I want. And then I maybe go and do a bit more research about them first before contacting them. But it's, Perfect. it's great because I know when I then phone them, they've kind of said that they're, you know, available for the media, haven't they, by being part of Just Farmers. So Exactly. So really it takes good. out that kind of nervous conversation that we often have to have as journalists, where we're really prepared for the farmer to be a bit scared of us. Yeah. And there's that whole preamble. It's like, please don't put the foot down, the phone yeah. down. Please, <laughs> please hear me out. I promise I'm not going to do anything horrible. You know, there's this real kind of with just farmers, you know, that you can. OK, that they're going to be familiar with the media and how it works. I can have that conversation and not feel so nervous about picking up the phone. And you can also search by subject matter, Jess. So if you're sort of covering, yeah. you know, oh, I need someone that's happy to talk about bovine TB, you can just put bovine TB in the search bar and it will bring up all the farmers who have said that's the subject they're comfortable talking about or neonicotinoids or whatever it might be, regen ag. Um, so, yeah, we, we hope that it's quite user friendly. 
Yeah. I mean, one thing you do at Just Farmers, which I think is, is really effective, is that, and you show examples to these farmers of, in essence, how journalists work and, and the pressures that you're under as well. So I wonder if we can sort of turn to that next. And you've you've shown through the examples that you've you've given so far about some of these, but what are some of your key challenges, I suppose, as a journalist in terms of the pressure you're under for stories um, and how that shapes the way you work? Jez, I'm going to turn to you on that first. Oh, well, I'd say that the pressures as a freelance journalist are probably different to yeah. being in the newsroom. So when I was in the newsroom at Farmers Weekly, the, the pressure was very much just, you know, keeping on top of the the news all the time um, because you can't be you can't be like a day behind or even half a day behind, so, you know, something that's happened. It, it's quite stressful and um, you're just like time pressured all the time. I mean, I used to be you know, on the train on the way to work, I'd be um, checking my emails, checking alerts, things like that. I'd already listened to Radio 4 that morning to see if anything had happened. You know, by the time I got to work, I'd already lined up some stories. Um, And then, you know, on the way home, you're doing the same thing, preparing for the next day, listen to the news again in the evenings. It's kind of relentless. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. So I think if you're, if you're someone receiving a call from a journalist, if if they maybe if they seem a little bit pushy or harassed, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you'd hope that they that they wouldn't. And it's a real skill not to push people, but that might be why it's not necessarily um, that they're a pushy person and they want to wheedle things out of you or something. But it's that they they need to they need to know whether you at least want to take part in this interview or, or be part of this feature because they have to produce stuff um, constantly. As a freelancer. Um, I have a bit more creativity, I would say, which is really nice to kind of pursue subject matters that I really enjoy. But then you've got different pressures because you're not on a salary. So the sorts of stories that you're working on, they might you might have to prioritise ones that are better paid. And I think this is a, I mean, it's a massive issue for the media in general is that the stories, I think a lot of the stories that are the most interesting um, that are full of human interest and that really help you think and that really need to be told are not getting told because they're not the clickbait that sort of that creates the the income stream for the for the news um you know for the, the media outlet so there's a real issue there i think so the, the pressures are, are different yeah yeah what about from a broadcast perspective anna yeah, so I'd say the pressures are just to use that comparison to news again. Uh, so I'm a program maker and I'm often working on long form programs. So, you know, I'll be working weeks or even months in advance of recording to set up something that isn't a news story. It is more of a kind of either an original story that we're developing or more of a current affairs or just a feature. The challenges are because I'm mostly working in television and sometimes radio, but at the moment, television, the story is not enough. That's the key challenge. There are so many issues in farming that are so worthy of coverage, but without the pictures, without the activity, it's not enough. And probably the biggest, so, you know, the most important issue that we all know about is soil health and how much conversation is happening around soil health at the moment. But as a television producer, <laughs> it is so hard. Mm. Um, and I'm I'm working on a series now and I am determined we are doing soil <laughs> health. But you really have to think creatively. And 
you just realize, you know, the merit of a story is not enough. And, you know, the amount of times farmers will have a moan at me, why aren't you doing this? And why aren't you doing that? And it's like, well, yes, that's fascinating to you in your daily job. Mrs. Biggins watching at home at seven o'clock on tea time is not going to sit there and just listen to a soil academic just talking about organic matter with, you know, so just holding a spade. So you've got to really think about who who's going to tell this story. So it's really the casting is hugely important. You know, you can't just have the best expert on soil health to talk about this. They have to be someone who has got the right character, who can carry the story with their charisma and their natural ability to communicate and to and for that personality to translate on camera. So there's a huge casting element involved. They've got to be able to master the skill. And it's such a skill of taking complex scientific information and translating that to a mainstream audience in a way that that audience will understand and we've got to have the pictures. So we need to see the worms. We need to see the spade going into the soil. We need the slow-mo shot of the soil going crumbling through someone's fingers. You know, it, it it's such a challenging thing. So yeah, for the for the job I'm doing, I would say the challenges are I'm working on these multiple layers all the time. Story is at its heart, story is the foundation, but I have to have the pictures i have to have the right person to tell it uh you know all the sound the location uh the logistics around that so um yeah it's uh that's the challenge for a program maker specifically mm. and jez um, when it comes to the stories themselves specifically rural food farming stories but you mentioned that you were often when you were on the train when you were on uh working for the weekly you were coming on those stories there and then straight into work. What are those stories? How do you decide what makes a good story in that context? But also as a freelancer, um, and I'm I'm asking for a friend here. Uh, what what <laughs> makes what, what what makes for a good story? Oh uh, well, again, I think it, I mean talking about print print journalism. Really, again, news and features are quite different. I mean, I think the story element is slightly different. If you're looking for a feature, to me, like a a feature is something obviously where you can go much more in depth, you can bring that human element in much more. It might be a story that um, allows you to be really creative. One end of the spectrum, it's sort of hard farming sort of journalism. And at the other end, it's uh, food and travel. And that to me is like fascinating as well, because food is cultural and it's history and it's politics, economics, it's environment, it's everything, it's people, it's places. And so when you've got that kind of story, you're able to be much more creative with the language that you're using. You're able to sometimes as a, as a journalist like that, you're, you're kind of part of the story because you're relating something um, about what you're seeing and things like that. So in a little, a little bit about what, what Anna's talking about in terms of broadcast and how you're looking for those pictures with sort of feature story, you're also kind of looking for pictures that you can relate through words. And you're looking for people who can help tell the story in a really sort of pithy kind of way. And especially if it's got a human element to it, you want someone who's willing to talk about how they feel, the impact that something's had on them, why they're doing it. Sometimes you're looking for comments that are a little bit out there, a little bit surprising or even shocking or or someone who's able to explain something in a way that challenges the convention but when you're constructing your story you're really looking for all these different elements and particularly the people like Anna was saying who 
can help bring that story alive. In terms of a news story, it's a little bit different. You are looking for those like comments that really get to a point. You've got much, much fewer words to use. And because it's a news story, it's got to be like much more hard hitting and you've got to capture the, you know, your readers sort of immediately and, and sort of keep them there. And and often it's something that you know you can add a really good headline to. Because a lot of people now, the way that they consume news, they often just read the headline and maybe the first the first line and that's it. You know you've got a good news story when you can boil it down and down and down just to literally like five words or something and then yeah. one sentence. And if you can't do that, just forget it. You've, you've not got your story. Basically. Yeah, you need a top line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Another thing that I'm always looking for is how can we refresh the angle? So particularly as an ag journalist we're part of an industry that has a very strong routine and it's a very repetitive mm-hmm. cycle and when you've been covering this brief for a few years it's like oh god i've got to cover cover harvest again how do i make this new <laughs> oh, yeah. oh it's lambing, lambing again yeah. how do i make this new oh it's shearing <laughs> again how do we yeah. get a new angle on that and you know i i produced the country file harvest special in 2021 and 2022 and 2021 had a heavy weather angle because we'd had the like soaking horrible autumn in uh, 2019 and then it was hot and then we just had like this horrific weather and it was a terrible harvest. So that was the angle. The angle very much went on that. But then next year we were like, well, we can't make the same programme again. We've got to, it's harvest, so it's going to be similar, but we've got to think of a whole new way of approaching it. So um, we went, uh, we decided to do sort of agritech and we started to look at harvest of the future was the angle. So, you know, looking a lot at robotics and latest combine tech and seasonal worker shortages and how we're going to harvest in the future. And But obviously there were still the same images that you have every year, which is Adam Henson in, and the combines. Yeah. <laughs> but that, I think it's a, that's a continual challenge for an agricultural journalist is refreshing something that happens every year. I mean, farming helps you out in the sense that the weather will always give you something new. You know, <laughs> it's either too hot or it's too wet or it's too cold too dry it's always too something it's too something yeah um yeah i've never rang a farmer and been like them not say yeah everything's fine you know there's usually some problem with the weather or the price or something um and that usually is what gives you your news angle keeping it fresh keeping it fresh is definitely something that you've got to have an instinct for I was going to say, Ben, there's a, there's a sort of another thing here. We've we've talked a lot about news and features and and everything like that, but there's there's something in the middle that is more explainers as well and guides and how tos and all this kind of thing. And um, that's something that is more probably specific to like the trade press, but it's something that um, a lot of the agricultural press, you know, does because obviously it's it's being read by um, farmers who are running businesses. So that is also one way to kind of refresh old content and also to kind of introduce new ideas because I think there are all these always these people at the forefront of changing things the real mavericks the people who are experimenting and who are putting ideas out there uh, and not really caring that they're being sort of shot down for it you know those are the early days and gradually there's the adopters that sort of come along after all of that and the press I think has an important role to play there in terms of introducing new ideas and kind of helping take it's readers along with it so there's that whole element as well I think the press has a kind of responsibility in terms of 
um, helping to reflect where the where the narrative and discussion and the, the norms are going. Let's uh, let's just turn with our listeners in mind, I suppose, in terms of what they can do. And again, this this relates to a lot of the work that the trading work that you do, Anna. Um, how might listeners be able to prepare themselves for engaging with the media? So, can they be proactive in any way in terms of preparing themselves for those those times when maybe a journalist might approach them, or could they approach a journalist if they feel like they have a story to tell? Yeah, they, absolutely. They can approach a journalist. They just need to understand what makes a story. And I think Jez and I have given a few little tips there. Uh, the key thing is going, it, it doesn't matter if it's interesting to you. You're not the person that it that matters to be nice about it. It's the, <laughs> it's the audience. So, yeah. you know, we I do I do get a lot of people pitching stories and I'm just like, that is not a story. That's just no. your particular passion or the drum that you like to bang. And it's your bee in your bonnet, you know. So I think if you if you're judging whether something is a good story, you have to take yourself out of your own head and think, okay, would man on bus genuinely care about this or find it interesting? And you have to be dispassionate. And if the answer is actually probably not, then I don't think you've got a story on your hands. But if you could imagine walking up to a stranger in the street and going, what about this? And they going, oh, wow, I never knew that. That's interesting. Then, yes, you've probably got a story on your hands. So I think probably temperature check it a bit before you start pushing it on the media. And how to be prepared for that phone call? I think the biggest thing is to kind of try and let go some of some of that suspicion. The media has not got a good reputation. Um, a lot of it is unfounded. You know, everyone thinks that we're some kind of unethical Martin Bashir character kind of digging through bins and doing all sorts of sordid things to get evil truths out of people and stuff. And it's just it's just really not true. It's just ordinary people doing a job and doing it to the best of their ability in order to inform the public. And, you know, the media does a lot of good for us. You know, everyone thinks the media is this purely evil thing that is, uh, you know, spreading fake news or is biased or has its own agenda or only cares about its what the story it wants to tell and doesn't care about the people it serves. When actually everything that you know about the world, pretty much, unless you a real bookworm, comes from the media. And a lot of it, I always think we wouldn't have Captain Tom without the media. Like, <laughs> That's a good example. Yeah. Like huh? cap, without, without the media, <laughs> Captain Tom was just an old guy walking around a garden. <laughs> It was the media that made him Captain Tom and made us all fall in love with him. So, you know, that, you know, similarly, people, you know, Rob, Rob Burrow, Rob Burrow's story and his his battle with motor neuron disease. It's the media that has given that to us and that education and that experience and that emotional story and the connection we all feel to, to him. So, you know, the media is an incredible force for good as well. So if you can put aside some of that knee jerk fear and suspicion and maybe think the best of us sometimes rather than the worst, then you could have a really positive experience. That always means, obviously, you've got to have some kind of, you have to be aware of the risks as well. You know, I'm not saying go and tell them all your innermost secrets or anything, but kind of just having an openness and being thinking, wow, this person has rang me because they're interested in what I do and they're interested in what I have to say. That's a real compliment. And I'm going to make the most of this opportunity and share 
my knowledge with them. Um, so I think that would be my main advice is just enjoy it because it's a cool thing to do to have your story out there. I would add to what Anna said really and to, to say yes that the media is essential it's absolutely essential to democracy as well and holding people to account and explaining things and all sorts of stuff um, and of course if you are a bit suspicious of a journalist bringing you you can always um, especially if it's out of the blue you can always just to say oh can I you know what's your name who do you work for can I ring you back and you can always go online and see who they write for, what sorts of stories they cover, maybe if they have a specialism or not. And that might help, you know, you make a decision as to whether you want to engage in it or not. And I think, you know, Anna's right, like most most journalists are just doing their their job and they, they want your um your opinion on things and your experience and things like that. Do your you can do your homework to find out a little bit more about who will be interviewing you and what the subject is and you can always ask them to send questions in advance that's a very good thing to do so you can feel a little bit more prepared a little bit less um you know taken by surprise by anything you can think about things but I would say also especially if you're doing you know any sort of broadcast or anything like that don't over prepare as well because it's the worst thing if yep. someone comes with a script yep. and they're just sort of sat there reading the script and like no 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 we want your personality as well you know yeah. we want to know who you are and- from a podcast point of view that's the first thing i always tell everyone yeah. as well so important yeah don't sound like a robot gosh i think we could go on about this all day but i'm gonna have to start to wrap things okay. up uh, because i'm conscious of time so i'm gonna finish with the three questions which i ask uh, everyone at the end of the show um so first is sort of it's more sort of goals orientated it's part of this part of this podcast which is about uh, personal development and that kind of thing so what do you do um so that you can keep focused on your goals um that could be personal or professional goals anything so i actually give myself a little review <laughs> that sounds <Nice>. really sad <laughs> i give oh, myself a little <laughs> sounds great um yeah i give myself a little review probably every six months but at least once a year so you know obviously the best sort of time is at the end of the year like december and then beginning of january you know okay what is this year going to be about kind of thing what is it i want to do this year and i normally have some sort of list of things that i want to do that they're normally things like um, I want to you know, develop this specific skill or I want to write for this publication. I want to get my first piece for this publication or I want to write more pieces for, for them or I want to develop, you know, um, I want to earn this amount as well because that's really important too. So um, it, it's quite often quite specific and it's normally like a mix of personal things and um, financial things and then kind of business, business things that are not financial but are more for my own satisfaction and sort of skill development really and I tend to um, write them down and I have a, got like a little office and I sometimes write them on a big piece of paper and just stick them on the wall very good when I was when I was first um go, when I first went freelance I sort of did you know phase one <laughs> like <laughs> wrote my list for the year phase two you know list for the next year and stuff and I actually wrote a whole timeline one year of things I wanted to happen every month which is a bit extreme and quite a lot of pressure so don't do that probably but it's just it's quite good because I literally just took these pieces of paper down yesterday from a few years ago and it was so good to look at them and be like well I did that I did that I did that that." you know it was great yeah so yeah Anna oh my god I'm feeling so inadequate now (laughs) (laughs) I don't do any of that 
that's okay. <laughs> um, so this isn't the cool thing to say on a rural business podcast. Um, and but I have never planned for anything in my life or ever had any kind of goal other than I'm gonna be a journalist. Well, look where it's got you. Look yeah, how many exactly. amazing things you've done. I love I know. That. I, I, gen- I genuinely, I genuinely just bumble along. I really, <laughs> I really, really do. And I, that's, that's not a decision to do that. I don't like being like that. The amount of times I have bought myself planners and calendars and special progress measuring books and things and I never use them they just gather dust I I write in them for about two days and I just can't I am just not a goal setting planning person and I I just and I suppose you know I've been a journalist now since 2002 so that's 20 years and it's going okay, bumbling along. So I, I think I'll think just going carry a little on. Bit more than doing okay, but I'll yeah. just carry yeah. on bumbling along. And do you know what? I I I am forty one now, and I've spent a long time beating myself up about the fact that I never had a five year plan or a ten year plan, and I don't know where I'm going here or there. And actually, at my age, I'm just I don't. That isn't me. And I'm, I don't think it's ever going to be me. So rather than just feeling bad about it, I'm just starting to accept that I'm a trundler and that's that's just it. And you're I'm very, very disorganised. You're very <laughs> proactive, though. I, I, I don't buy this whole, I just trundle along. Like. <laughs> things, always, so things always pop up. I think, the, I think why it happens is... So I think the key, the key thing is that I'm not a multitasker. So I can't I can't multitask. When I do a job for somebody, they get me 100%. I do not think about anything else. Yeah. I don't do anything else. Yep. I am doing that job. I'm such a deep focus worker. And World War 3 could go off and I would not move. I am so into that thing. And and I suppose that's the good thing. It's always made sure that I deliver to a high standard. And I hope I, I hope that's a consistently high standard because I work very, very hard for people. And I think that that is what propels me on to the next opportunity. So it's not so much that I've planned for it. It's that I have given my all in the mm. previous opportunity. And that has opened the next door and the next door and the next door. So I think it's my work ethic that yep. has got me to where I am because I am a I am a real grafter. Um, I don't think it's networking or planning or have or, you know any of that really. That's Graft. just how I work. Graft. Yeah, I think there's a lot of lessons in there. Um, <laughs> and uh, finally, uh, just a chance to promote uh, any rural business or social media account or just anything at all that you'd like to promote on the show. Oh. Um... I'm on Twitter. <laughs> I was sort of, yeah. My so my Twitter account is over the farm gate. Um, I, that's where I'm mostly at. I like Instagram, but honestly, it's a bit more just, you know, I'm not on there that much. Try yeah. to keep social media to a minimum. And my website, if anyone wants to see what I'm doing, it's uh, Jez, which is J E Z dash Fredenberg, which is F R E D E N B U R G H um, dot com. Perfect. Anna? Uh, yeah, Jez is my sister from another mister because like, <laughs> I'm I'm exactly the same. I really do kind of try and keep social media to a minimum because I think when you work in the media, mm. it is your whole life anyway. So you don't really want to go home and have more of it on social media. So I do. I am on Twitter, Jones the Journo. 
um, and I have a website, jonesthejourno.com. Um, but I would really like to do a shout out for Park Carreg on um, oh, yes. on YouTube. Yeah. Um, because I think what these guys are doing is absolutely brilliant. Uh, so Josh and Abby Haynecker, who are farming in uh, in South Wales, and Josh has been on a real hard journey with his um, farm. He's the, he's the UK's only organic duck egg producer, mm. um, but with rising costs and everything, he has been clinging onto his farm by his fingernails, really. And he did a video called How to Fail at Farming yeah. and put it on oh. YouTube. And I found it incredibly honest and revealing. And he just put it out there of how blimmin' hard it is to make a living from farming at the moment. So I'd just really like to champion uh, Josh and Abby because I think their their honesty and their storytelling is is really good. And um, I hope that they yeah get the recognition and success they deserve. Yeah, I think it's a brilliant shout out. Thank you for that, Anna. Um, and thank you to you both for your time. Honestly, it's massively appreciated. That is it for today. We're going to leave it there. Um, but yeah, good luck for everything you're doing. And yeah, I will see you both soon. See you, Ben. Thank you. Thanks, Bye, guys. Bye, Anna. <laughs> thank you very much for listening. Um, as always, I would love to hear from you about what you learned from this episode. Uh, follow us on Twitter at RuralBF underscore pod or on Instagram at Rural Business Focus. Um, and I'd also really appreciate if you could give us a rating and a review wherever you're listening, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever that is. Uh, next time, uh, Millie Five will be back with me and we'll be talking about networking and building your rural network, both online and in person. Um, so I hope you can join me then. For now, though, I will leave you the way that I leave you every episode. Try to do one thing this week that helps you progress and one thing that helps someone else. Keep focused and I will see you next time. Thank you.